It's go time. We thank the NFL for getting the Super Bowl out of the way in time for CFL free agency. And let's get right into it. Welcome, everyone, to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. Don Charbon along with Heath Graham and a very special guest from the Turf District, Mr. Andrew Hoskins. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back once again. I always like to get together with you guys to chat some football, and we've got some movement to talk about this week, so uh, that's pretty exciting. I'm sure a lot of people see the movement from one side of the coin, and some see it from the other side of the coin. I won't mention any bodily functions, but some surprises, some we knew were coming. Uh, Let's first give a shout out to Three Down Nation. Wow, were they on top of everything? And the guys over there did a fantastic job. Any shockers coming out of this? Beyond Calgary trading Bo Levi Mitchell to start this whole process, now that we're into it and we've moved past Valentine's Day, anything that stood out to you? Uh, well, I think the the big one for me, and I understand uh, that people who are listening know who my team that I cheer for is, and the big surprise for me was them, the Elks actually landing Geno Lewis. I did not see that coming, and uh, that that was quite a surprise for me. Um, a very happy surprise. That I was I was happy with that, but uh, that one definitely caught me off guard as far as uh, uh, some of the moves that were happening. Um, if we want to talk about ones that also kind of surprised me in the background, uh, James Butler going to Hamilton kind of surprised me. I I didn't think that he would leave BC because he had a, a decent role there, um, so that one kind of surprised me a little bit. I, I want to say that Cody Fajardo was a bit of a surprise going to Montreal, Just, but I think the reason that we're saying that is because we're not really sure what that relationship was like with Moss and Fajardo as the way last year panned out in Saskatchewan, but obviously it can't be that bad because they're together again in uh, La Belle Provence. It's, it seems like that relationship with Jason Moss is better than it was with Craig Dickinson at this point. There was uh, some some animosity there on the way out, and and some Cody Fajardo is always very kind in his interviews. So I would sum it up as harsh words by him, but not harsh in the standard of what we're used to hearing. In that uh, he was a bit disappointed that Craig Dickinson didn't reach out to him on his way out. Jer- uh, Jeremy O'Day did, but he did not hear from Coach Dickinson. Obviously, there's there was a, a some kind of rift there because he wasn't playing in the games last year, so. We'll see. Uh, I, so again, a little bit of a surprise there, but I think overall, you know, some some teams really went in. Some teams uh, didn't go as far in. And the, you know, the normal one that we hear, you know, Calgary not doing a whole lot in free agency and they're, they're going to be building with their, uh, their new guys. One team with some signings that has jumped out to me as well is the Hamilton Tiger Cats and reloading on that defensive line. Mm-hmm. As speculated by yours truly last week, Jagarrett Davis has rejoined the Hamilton Tiger Cats along with Casey Sales and Kwaku Boateng. So they have really loaded up not only on offense with Bo Levi Mitchell and the addition of some receivers, but that defensive line looks like one of the best in the league on paper, at least at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anytime Kwaku goes somewhere, I get excited for that team because uh, Kwaku is amazing. And uh, I I love Kwaku. So uh, I, I wish him all the best until he plays my team. So but uh, I, I think, yeah, they they are going to they are going to have quite the defensive line for sure. Um, 
you know, across the league, actually, you, you look at some of these other defensive lines and how they've come together. Um, I know for the Elks, you know, big to get AC Leonard and add him in where you've already got Serezna and Jamin Pelly and, and that type of thing. There's some, you're like, wow, okay, that one's going to be pretty good. And then you start, you know, looking at, uh, now, did we find out where Oramalade landed? I don't think he landed yet, right? Toronto. Okay. So of course he did. <laughs> he was, I should have known that Calgary. He, he went to Toronto. Um, so yeah, Toronto's done okay for, <laughs> for defensive line as well. And Hamilton's definitely stocked up. I'm curious to see what happens with teams like Calgary, where they, who is that next guy that's going to be coming up that'll be playing on that line um, to help them out. But I, I, I think there's, as far as you look across the league, I guess Hamilton did the best on the defensive line. Saskatchewan did okay adding Micah Johnson back in. I don't think that's such a, a bad ad for them. Uh, but if I want to talk defense as a whole, I'm actually really impressed with what Ottawa did. They added some great linebackers. Um, and uh, I I don't know. I, I, I think they were sneaky good for the entirety of free agency for what they added in. Hamilton was the one that really surprised me in a sense because they seem quiet on opening day and yet on the second day, that's where their numbers really started to grow in terms of signings. I, I don't like I, I, I'm happy that they did load up in some of these areas, but I, I, I'm curious to see how Bo plays. I, there, there, there is a reason that he didn't play the end of the year in Calgary last year. Um, and ever since that shoulder injury, it, now he maybe has something to prove, but um, he's got a few weapons there. Tim White is there. Um, I can't remember who was the other one that they brought in. Duke Williams has joined. Thank you. Yep. Duke Williams is there. They still have Braylon Addison that could be coming back. Poppy White, you know, they and Keandre Smith even had a, had a good uh, portion of the year last year. They have some pieces, but is Bo actually going to be able to get them the ball? I, I really like the fact that they, like I've already talked about it, bringing in Butler, maybe that helps to balance that off a little bit. But I don't know if like Bo isn't the same 2016, 2017 Bo. Uh, they, they put some money in. I'm curious to see how that all plays out. I'm leaning towards Bo being better than what he was last year. If you think back to the first six games of the season, it wasn't until he played in Toronto that the wheels seemed to come off, and that's when Mayer came in and took over. In that playoff game, though, when Mayer stumbled, it was Bo in the fourth quarter that tried to get the Stampeders back into that game, and he was throwing darts all over the place. He needed to heal the, the shoulder. You're totally right on that. Now that he's played, what, seven games last year, really didn't get hit all that much. He's probably better for it, and he should be stronger going into this season. The other thing, and if you think about this, in terms of Jagera Davis, wherever he is, that's the team that goes to the Grey Cup. Yes. Also, though, if you, he follows his regular pattern, he just won last year, so he should lose the next two and then go to the and then win one again. So, uh, I am excited for him to uh, join the Elks in twenty twenty five. Be perfect. <laughs> right on schedule. <laughs> well, you know, I got to. Yeah, it's good to make an early plan. I mean, why, why, uh, why blow it now? Yep. Now, just getting back to Harris. And the whole business of the swap between the, the Rough Riders and the Alouettes in terms of starting quarterbacks. This, the name on the 
back will get shorter wearing number seven in Saskatchewan. That's the big difference, I guess. Initially, the height and everything else will be another issue. The Rough Riders giving him a two-year contract, a 37-year-old when he goes to camp. That's a little bit of a stretch in my mind. A guy that's never won a Grey Cup, he's been to one but lost. You give up on a guy who's eight years his junior, and he was also, he had the chance to make it to a Grey Cup, a crossbar stopped him one year, and a third down play at the Winnipeg 20-yard line stopped him another year. There is, it, it just, it doesn't equate completely in terms of skill sets and age and everything like that, but I don't know that the Rough Riders got the quarterback that they needed to get them out of the West and into the into the championship game. The one piece that didn't come into play yet would be Dane Evans still under contract with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I firmly believe that Saskatchewan probably poked around a little bit to see what it would take to get him out of Hamilton. It didn't come to fruition yet, and they had to do something. It was pretty clear that the relationship with Cody Fajardo was on a very, very thin line with any potential to save it. That didn't happen, and they had to make noise somewhere. Trevor Harris, as you mentioned, is going to be 37 years old at camp, but he is a commodity in the CFL with the numbers, his his completion percentage, and his ability to move the football between the twenties, <laughs> between the twenties, absolutely. the the, the two year contract is the biggest surprise in my mind as well. I would have anticipated it being a one year and looking to the future, but now they've somewhat committed to two years. One thing that he does bring different to that offense is the the quick release. He he very much is one two ball out and. With the way that the offensive line played last year in Saskatchewan, now they've done a good job in bringing in some pieces, you know, back some pieces. Philip Blake coming back to to try and help shore up the line a little bit, um, but I think that would be a big help for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders just to have that one-two throw type quarterback. Whereas Cody is the guy that's more likely to hang onto the ball, look for that deep ball, you know, try to run out to the side. Trevor's not going to turn and run very often. It's look back, hand off and throw the ball out. Now with, I can't remember the name. I'm sorry of the guy who is coming in as the offensive coordinator, um, who was the running backs coach last year. He is, maybe he focuses a little more on those running backs that were really good last year. And can Trevor hand the ball off to those guys and then do the one, two to the crosser that happens to be, you know, Keon Schaefer Baker. Yeah, absolutely. So I think actually that change of pace would be good. I I agree. The two years was a little surprising, but I I do think that he wanted that stability. Um, I think we also know that unless there was guaranteed money in that second year, there's no guarantee he's there for the second year. So um, I hope he got some money up front. And uh, But I do think that change of pace in the way that he plays the game as compared to Cordy Federato could go a long way for uh, Saskatchewan having some success. I, I, I'm not going to say a, a ton of because, I mean, I don't know, lots of field goals. Uh, but we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out uh, for over the whole year. 
one of the challenges for the Rough Riders is a virtually all new receiving core as well. You mentioned Kean Schaefer Baker coming back, but they've lost Kyron Moore, Shaq Evans, and and Duke Williams, who are all very capable receivers. Bringing in Jake Wenicky, who had a bit of an off season in 2022 compared to what he did the previous year. Juwan Breskison coming over from the Toronto Argonauts as well. So a, a different receiving core to work with. The, I guess the good news is Trevor Harris has some chemistry with Jake Wenicky from their time in Montreal. For, for Kelly Jeffrey, it's going to be a real baptism by fire in a sense because he's got a head coach and a GM that are on expiring contracts. And he's trying to make a name for himself with a quarterback that's on the tail end of his career, not the beginning of his career. He's got a lot of work to do to make that offense successful. Cody Fajardo had his best moments when Stephen McAdoo was his offensive coordinator, by far. When Jason Moss and him crossed paths, his numbers went down. How that's going to play out in Montreal, of course, Calvillo has a lot to say about that. It's going to be very fascinating to me to see how this all plays out. Saskatchewan is in a weird, weird situation where both positions are up for grabs if not, if they go oh and and pick a number will they be there at the end of that oh and that's fair i do think that they made a sneaky good signing in getting sean bain though that's a lot of speed um with a guy with the decent set of hands that did well in in calgary last year and i understand you know like calgary's offensive system lots of guys do well <laughs> i know how that works but but i think that could be that guy that um you know, Harris might be able to find um, on that those heaters like across the middle, and that might be helpful. So, um, yes, it's an all new receiving core, like you said, Heath. But I, I do think that they do have some decent pieces in there. They I don't see. I guess Breskison would be mostly the the deep threat because Kean Schaefer Baker is more of that catch over the middle and then get the yak right. But I it's kind of same with Jake Winicky, but maybe Breskison is the long shot and Bain is the, is the long shot down the field. The BC lions were the biggest challenge to the blue bombers last year. Where did they come out through all of this? They don't have Nathan Rourke back as their quarterback, but I think Vernon Adams jr. Is more than capable of running that offense. They reunited him with Dominique Davis, who they were partnered together in Montreal prior. The lions more or less kept their receiving core together, but they did get picked over a little bit on their offensive line. To me, the the loss, the retirement of Brian Burnham was a was a big loss, and I had thought they were going to go hard after Geno Lewis or or Kenny Lawler, and they missed out on both of those. So, I the rest of that receiving core is still intact, but I do believe it's a bit of a drop off with Burnham not being there, and they haven't put in a a big time playmaker to replace him. Yeah, totally fair. I'm, I'm happy that because there was, of course, the rumors that Dominique Grimes had asked for a trade. And then for him to get re-upped was probably a good thing for that team. They needed to have that star receiver and that's the guy right there. So my, I guess where we, we will see or what I'm curious about with BC is who is that next running back now that Butler's gone? Like that's what we're, so they must be finding a young guy to come in for, to, to fill that role. Uh, much like uh, the Elks did with Kevin Brown last year, bringing in the, the rookie who then does well. But 
um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how do they how do they balance that attack because Vernon Adams can run absolutely. There is that piece, but are, you need to have some balance with a running back as well. So Roy Shivers, who was the GM in BC and in Saskatchewan, said that every year there's plenty to be found. It's just a matter of going out and getting the one you need. The Lions, I don't know where their mindset was when it came to giving up on Butler unless the numbers weren't right and the Lions couldn't afford him anymore. Their defense seems to be okay. They didn't really lose. They more or less kept everybody that they wanted. So it's it's a curious thing now. The Lions seem to be set. They're ready to go. The other team that, of course, they're chasing went big after Kenny Lawler and spent a lot of money re-upping their quarterback and getting Kenny Lawler easily one-sixth, one-seventh of their entire player cap is chewed up by those two players. Yeah, it's very true. I, I think for Winnipeg, they're sacrificing Greg Ellingson, who was a fairly highly paid receiver last year, had some injuries and didn't really pan out the way the Bombers had hoped. So getting Kenny Lawler back is an upgrade there. Rashid Bailey likely on his way out and priced out as well. But you have Dalton Schoen coming back. He did not sign with an NFL team. And Drew Wolitarski, Nick Dembski are both still under contract. Carlton Agadosi, who had one standout game before injury last year, is going to come in at a lower price as well. A big lanky receiver that can get those 50-50 jump balls as well. So I don't think it's really a drop-off for, for Winnipeg. Yes, they've got some money tied up in Lawler, but they've managed to to save that with some of the other players that they have in place. Yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to save some money when you've got uh, shown on a rookie contract. That's rather helpful. Um, and so I, I think that's the same thing. I know there was lots of comments about the Elks and, oh, they, they've got to be over the cat. Well, Two things. One, there isn't a salary cap until you start playing games. So we're we're well away from that. But the other thing is, is that Edmonton's very cheap at quarterback. Cornelius is just over 200. Um, Trey Ford is on a rookie deal. Uh, Kevin Brown is on a rookie deal. Uh, Dylan Mitchell just got an extension and got a bit of money out of it, but not, you know, like leaps and bounds. So I think that same thing, Winnipeg is doing the same thing where, yes, they've got some money tied up in some some guys, but they also have some receivers um, that are playing well above their rookie contract, and you're going to see them playing well in this year too. Eugene Lewis, what kind of impact is he going to be for the Elks? Because that was a huge signing, and I thought for sure that he would wind up in British Columbia. So did I. That I had it labeled for either BC uh, Saskatchewan or Saskatchewan. That's where I thought that he was headed. And, uh, so like I said, just shocking to me when it, it came that he was, he was coming out to Edmonton and they overhauled that receiving core to some degree. Um, you know, they brought, they bring Manny Arsenault back. So he's the veteran leader and, and basically the coach that can be on the field, uh, at the same time as on the sideline. And, and that, that's always helpful. Um, I think basically what they did is they said, okay, well, we're, we're not going to get Kenny Lawler. So if we don't get the, you know, maybe the one a, do we get the one B or the, or the true one, uh, really hard to tell between Gino Lewis and, and Kenny Lawler. So that helps. And I think they also then decided, okay, well, we're going to go away from Darrell Walker 
and we're going to bring in Stephen Dunbar Jr., who is the same kind of receiver uh, at probably a little bit less rate and a little bit younger and see what happens there. Uh, then they're bringing in Kyron Moore, who knows the system under uh, Chris Jones. I, I mean, I think they just kind of overhauled, but with some guys that know the system already and guys that can lead the system. So I, yeah, I'm excited to see how that go. I think his impact though, you were asking what is Eugene Lewis's impact? He's taking that role of Kenny Lawler. And if there's one thing we know about Cornelius is he can bomb the ball. And if he can get it within a three, four, five yard radius of Eugene Lewis, he's going to catch it. That could be huge um, for them to to be able to work together on that. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see how that all gels together. Ottawa went after Hamilton secondary. <laughs> Did they ever? Santos Knox is now in Ottawa. Cariel Brooks is in Ottawa. Obviously, Sean Burke saw what he liked in Hamilton and hoped that during free agency they would follow along, and he's brought them with him. The Tiger Cats were kind of slow on the defensive side signing people, but they seemed to pick up their steam as time went on. Jameer Thurman was huge. Huge, huge get for for Hamilton, for sure. What do you guys think now that that's kind of all where we're at now. Is Simone back in Hamilton? I think Simone is on a discount if he comes back. And he probably would just to be a part of that team with a chance to win a Grey Cup. I think he would probably take a little bit less to yeah. be there. But I think he's kind of a, a spiritual leader in so many ways for the Tiger Cats team. I would I would be hard-pressed to think that they wouldn't want him back. It'd be the same thing as Enoch Moamba in, uh, in Toronto. Could the Argos really part from him unless he retires i can't see him playing anywhere but toronto yeah possibly possibly i tend to agree with you as well getting jagera davis back probably goes a long way in helping get simone lawrence back into the mix as well i believe they're probably in in contact we know the gray cup is going to be in hamilton this year they have retooled after a pretty disappointing season last year and simone coming back for one more crack at ending that gray cup drought with a home game is probably too much for him to walk away from. So then we're going to have Simone and Duke Williams and Chris Edwards all on the same team. <laughs> all right. Well, referees are going to enjoy those games. I can tell you that right now. That'll be uh, an interesting combo between those three. No, 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 no. You hope. <laughs> you hope for penalties? Wait, what? No. <laughs> you hope matured just that extra year and that things will have calmed down it's not going to be great for the tiger cats if they're taking 15 yard objectionable conduct penalties it it won't do them very well and this is one thing that when you talk about edwards and you talk about williams that has been part of their history Mm -hmm. they have to curb that they're both very talented athletes they've just got to translate a little bit more of that to the rest of the areas of the field yeah both duke and and chris edwards their play can almost make up for their penalties duke for sure there's a reason that they still keep getting the position right because they are they are good players they just need to reel in the antics sometimes and i think craig dickinson failed in saskatchewan last year in reining in some of the attitudes on that team so true orlando's 
Orlando Steinauer is a different type of coach than Craig Dickinson, and he might be the right guy to get these guys in line. When you think of Orlando Steinauer, he's a guy that just, he's got a strong presence. He Dickinson has talked a lot about how he was too tough and that he has to make the game more fun this year. And I don't know if that's going to resonate much with a team that lost pretty much the last half of the season. The bigger thing is, what are you going to sell as optimism? Now, Hamilton, they're selling that we've got maybe the best quarterback in the league, and we've got a whole bunch of additions that we needed to make it to the Grey Cup in Hamilton and this time win. I, I don't know where the Rough Riders are in all of this. It, as one person once said, good is the enemy of great, and the Riders may have gotten good, but they're not great. Hmm. Interesting take. You know what? Here's the thing. I wouldn't even want to make a prediction after free agency because I, I, I've said this for a few years now where it's like people say, oh, these this team won free agency. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> that doesn't mean that they won any games in the season. And as a fan who has been long suffering, waiting for a home win, great. You did well in free agency. If you won free agency, does that turn into a win? Don't know yet and uh, got to see them all together. So I'm curious to see from out of the teams that we've said, okay, they've made some really good moves and this has happened. How uh, how can those teams translate that into something that, you know, is tangible in, in a win? And in the early two, 2010s, there were so many years where we said Winnipeg won free agency. They didn't actually get the balance until they started getting drafting guys the right way and all those types of things, right? So... Like it's a full package. Free agency is one piece for sure. I'm I'm happy with a lot of the what what my team did, but again, until I can see them all on the field, that's that that's when we'll start to be like, well, wait and see what they're like when they're all on the field together, right? There was some of us for sure that were going, BC is like putting all of their eggs into Nathan Rourke. Like, okay, uh, like they're gonna finish fourth. Nope. <laughs> so so. Yeah, uh, free agency is the first step, right? But that's the exciting part for us is that it means the first step and we're, we're getting closer to seeing football again. And can you say teams like Calgary or Winnipeg have lost free agency when they haven't made a lot of moves in bringing new guys in? But you look at what Winnipeg has done in signing extensions before that. With Jamarcus Hardrick, Stanley Bryant, Adam Big Hill, Zach Caleros, the, the list goes on. And as you mentioned, Dalton Schoen comes back on a rookie contract. Winston Rose re-upped. They've got pieces in place there where they didn't feel they needed to make big splashes. And they've pretty much upgraded from Greg Ellingson to Kenny Lawler. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and they kept guys like Janarian Grant, all those types of things, right? So the teams that, you know, start to have success, then they can they can hang on to those guys at discounts, right? Calgary wasn't completely quiet. Julian Hauser now is in the Stampede City, and that's a pretty big get for their defensive line, especially Florin Omerlade is now in Toronto. The bigger loss, I still think, is Jameer Thurman, and I was thinking that Sankey, Darnell Sankey, would actually wind up back in Calgary. I didn't expect him to actually wander south and look at the XFL. Yeah, I think there's a few names going to the XFL that we weren't quite sure, yeah, XFL or USFL, um, that we weren't quite prepared for. And, and for sure, Sankey was one for me. I, I thought that he was going to land a home here. And although I agree with you with the Stampeders, Hauser is a big get for sure. 
there's one get and a whole bunch of departures, <laughs> right? Not And some big names. We talked about Ormolati. We talked about Thurman. Uh, I already talked about Sean Bain. Uh, we haven't mentioned uh, JVN Elliott that was going as a defensive back that has quite an upside as well. The thing is, though, is that none of us are writing them off because <laughs> we're like, we know it. We like how many times we said, oh, yeah, more guys left than came in. And next thing you know, they have some new guy who's a multi all star. So we'll we'll see how that plays out once the season starts. But I'd be perfectly fine if they took a dive for a while. That wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset about that. Clearly, Calgary and Winnipeg office have the most confidence in what they have in place already they i'm sure there are more moves to come but as far as new contracts coming in very little so far so they seem to be pretty confident and clearly neither one of them won the gray cup last year but the regular season they kind of separated themselves from the rest of the league as as the top two with bc and toronto kind of that next tier below them the alouettes of course went through all of this process with their ownership situation sort of clouding things. Now the CFL has stepped forward and said, look, we're going to take care of this team until a new ownership group gets it. So the Sid Spiegel and Gary Stern era is over. It was short-lived and there'll be a lot of discussion about whether it was the right decision given the age of especially Sid Spiegel, uh, a tremendous human being, but this was never a long-term solution. The The Alouettes will have new owners probably by the end of the spring. It looks fairly certain that that'll be the case. But in the interim, while you're not knowing how much you can spend and who you can spend it on and where you can go, it did make it a little bit tougher, I think, for Danny Machocha to push forward. Oh, I would think so. I mean, even right up to the day or so before free agency, we were all hearing that Danny Machocha didn't know who he could actually re-sign or sign or, and now that may not be true, but that was the, that was what we were hearing is that he couldn't even make offers because we didn't know what was going on. And then obviously they did make a bit of a splash on free agency day and getting some guys and, and working some trades, but yeah, not, not a great place for him to be in. So being that they still ended up with a, with a, a decent fielded team and, uh, I think we've already talked, you know, it's the, the, maybe the biggest concern for them is, is wide receiver. But other than that, they've, they, they've got some, some pieces in play there. Interesting that Caleb Evans wound up in Montreal. Actually, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say interesting. I, I think that actually makes sense. It's not far for him. If you look at Cody Fajardo and Caleb Evans, they're a similar kind of quarterback there. They have, they can run. Um, they will, you, they're not, af- you know, they're not afraid to be the lean in guy uh, on from the one yard line. N- neither of them has what I would say incredible accuracy, but they, they're, they know how to throw the ball. I don't know. You, you put those two guys together. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a horrible combination actually. And because your system doesn't have to change much if you have to change your quarterback at some point. And they're going to be learning from Calvillo and Moss. So, I mean, there's a lot of quarterback uh, knowledge right there that can help those two out. And I would think that Montreal maybe isn't completely sold on Cody Fajardo being the outright number one guy for the whole season. He's not quite in that pay grade that some of the other top quarterbacks are getting in the the league right now with Bo Levi and Zach Caleros, etc. So having somebody like Caleb Evans come in the two of them combined are probably somewhere in that neighborhood that you're paying a marquee number one quarterback. So a good addition and 
a lot of them were on on sneaks, but Caleb Evans scored 16 touchdowns last season. Yep. You, you can't go wrong having somebody like that as your short yardage guy. Points pirate. Point, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's the the backup quarterback that you start in fantasy because you're probably going to get at least one. When you think of with the Toronto Argonauts, they, they took a couple of hits on their offensive line. Justin Lawrence is no longer there. Philip Blake, we mentioned earlier, is gone. They weren't the best at protecting their quarterback last year. Derry Sirocco, I think, is a good upgrade. But they've got to bring somebody along now to fill the gap because they're down one. Yeah, I don't even know where, what their upgrade would be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it's interesting because they they had a decent offensive line last year. Like you said, they're down a couple. I mean, Bladek's still there, right? Yeah, that was yeah, it was yeah. Bladek is still there, so they they have a little bit of of quote unquote younger, not really younger, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean, uh, guys. Uh, and like you said, Darius Sirocco is a good a good ad, but. Yeah, I don't know what their plan is there if they're trying to... Uh, there's really not much left as far as offensive linemen. Offensive lines are always that on the wish list for every general manager, but quality offensive linemen aren't necessarily that easy to find. We talked about running backs and, and how many of those come out of college and into the pro ranks or opportunities in the pro ranks every year. And it's easy to find... a a passable running back in the league, but to have five guys on your offensive line, it's not like you could just go in off and harvest them from the offensive line tree. It doesn't seem to exist. <laughs> the offensive line tree. Oh my goodness. That is a heavy tree right there. Yeah. Yeah. Needs a lot of water or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 17 players turned over in the Tiger Cats roster in free agency. That's half your lineup almost. Whew. They are making a push though to try and have it when they're hosting. That was like the Elks last year. You know, the the year before they were awful and so we knew that the roster was going to basically be overhauled and it was. They weren't significantly that much better, but they did they they did get better as the season went on. So this year Still some turnover, not as much as last year. And I think you'll see the same thing when you get to uh, Saskatchewan, depending on whether or not the head coach stays the same or not. If that changes, then you know there's likely to be a bit more turnover with somebody bringing in his own guys, right? Well, Chris Jones, I think after last year in Edmonton, he probably didn't have a lot of room to make a lot of more moves. And, and he spoke quite candidly with Dave Naylor on their fireside chat about how you need the time together to develop a team. And he was talking specifically about Taylor Cornelius and this being his third year in the league, he kind of figured that this was showtime for him. This was it. If you're going to make it as a ZFL quarterback, it's year three is where you show your stuff. Yeah, I agree. And lots of people forget that, that he was just a rookie two years ago and he came in for the last four or five games and then, you know, kind of got thrown to the wolves in the the three uh, three games in seven days, and see how you do with that, and and how that whole mess was was put in front of him, which is basically a debacle. And then last year when he came out, he he was not the starter. It was it was Arbuckle. He was on the practice roster, and then he came back in after they uh, you know Arbuckle got hurt, and showed that he could do a bit more like he's I can't remember 
exactly how many games he has in. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find that right at this moment because he was, uh, was 12 games played last year. And I think it was five. So he, he might be just over a full season of games played. You're right. Now's the time. Stand up and show what you can do. You you should know the game. The game should slow down a bit for you now. You've seen enough games. You've seen enough film. Uh, th- this will be a big show me year. And we know that Trey Ford is right on his heels wanting to get that starting role. And we know that Chris Jones drafted him, you know, seventh overall in the Canadian draft. So he's he's got his eye on him as well for, for his uh, um, abilities as, as an athlete. So... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Corn Dog and and as the those last five six games of the year last year, there were just those moments of brilliance and you saw it start to come together and he wasn't throwing that fourth quarter interception that he was so well known for for the first ten games he played. So um, I th- I think we're we're getting closer to where we're like okay. It, can he make that next step? And and this year is going to show it, especially in the the first six games of the year. It's uh, you you've got a a new talented receiving core. You've got a, a now a, a running back that has been in the league for a bit and knows and has had some success. You know there'll still be a question mark on who who all is going to be on that offensive line, but step back, run the ball when you need to, and get it out of there. And if he can start showing what he can do with it, I think it could be interesting. And a, a big part of quarterback development too is learning the Canadian game. We have to keep that in mind with a player like Taylor Cornelius, who came through American college and American spring leagues of football to now getting to understand the the sheer size of the field. For one thing, you talk about those fourth quarter interceptions. I think sometimes those those young quarterbacks forget how far it is to the sideline, and you've got you know you've got receivers in motion that you've got to get used to where they're going to be on the field by the time you're releasing the ball. All of that comes into play. And then the different look from the defense with that one yard off the ball comes into play too. Well, and an extra guy on the field, right? You're, you're not used to seeing that extra guy there. So um, yeah, now you've had this many games. So now, now you've got to see if you can put the package together. Bob Dice gets the Red Blacks from day one to go forward in the 2023 season. Looks like he's got the team he wants. Jeremiah Mazzoli should be healthy enough to be the starting quarterback. Is Ottawa ready to make a push and the East and maybe get a playoff spot? I I hope so. Um, I I thought they made some great moves. Even, you know, like the ones we haven't talked about, like Wes Hills going over from Hamilton. Great running back that can just run guys over. And, uh, you know, we, if, Mazzoli is healthy and and now we've got another year with Arbuckle being there in the system and actually knowing uh, he he is great as a backup like we we know that that's the case so um, if something does go wrong there is a a balance between it could be another situation almost like the Mazzoli Evans thing when it was in uh, Hamilton so that could be um, interesting and they kept a lot of their good guys that they had. Ackland's still there. Devontae Dedman's still there. Um, you know, Nate Bahar still had a great season last year. That's good guys. And then they add, they're adding guys. Oh, Shaq Evans. Like, so now they've got some speed going down the field. So 
I, I don't know. I think they made enough moves with what they needed to fill that I think that they could be a lot better this year. I think they would have been better last year if it wasn't for the injury. The Argonauts sat tight. They they pretty much were quiet. Other than Ormolade, they didn't go big after anybody. Well, and Toronto did a good job of, of re-signing their guys, right? Curly Gittins. What was that? In that one weekend, wasn't there like eight guys that they all signed? So they, like, you know... Pinball Clemens ran out of ink that weekend, but, uh, you know, then didn't need a whole lot of ink on free agency day. So, um, the biggest question for Toronto is, is MBT coming back or, or is that the spot? Are are they going to hand the keys over to Chad Kelly or are they going to then be looking at, okay, maybe we need to make a deal to look at bringing Dane Evans over, like, which, you know, Hamilton will make them pay through the nose for that. So I, I'm curious to see how that plays out because that's that's the biggest question for them. If Other than that, I think they kind of solidified their team quite well. Play it out this way. If McLeod Bethel-Thompson does not come back to play and it does retire, watch for Toronto to make the move to get Evans. Of all the teams, though, Hamilton's going to charge them the biggest price to get Dane Evans. I agree. I agree. And that's the, that, that's the risk they're taking, right? Or you, you hand it over to, I mean, maybe you hand over, you do hand over the keys to Chad Kelly and say, okay, show us what you can do. Lions did that with Nathan Rourke and look what happened. Yeah. I don't know though. That was a bit of a different situation. That was, and the only, the only reason I say that is because, Nathan Rourke had those two games at the end of 2021 that he just like lit the world on fire. And it was like, whoa, that he's a different player. And he had time to learn under Mike Riley. (laughs) Like, I think, I don't know. I just, I think there's a different situation there. I don't know that Chad Kelly, when I watch him play, I thought, okay, yep, there's some, there's some good, points there is it one that I'm like holy man this guy's on a different level no so at least me so I don't I don't I don't know that he's quite the same um be interesting to see if they tried to do that though if you're basing his entire body of work on one offensive drive in the gray cup yeah (laughs) hand him the keys um but if you want to look at at more beyond that there are some questions there for sure well his head coach is not handing him the keys to the team just yet. And if Ryan Dinwiddie isn't confident in him, that means that the Argos are very interested in bringing back McLeod Bethel-Thompson. It's just a question for Thompson, who's who's made his money playing in the NFL and the CFL. He doesn't have to do this anymore. You do it now because you love the game so much. And he's coming off a broken thumb. He had to have surgery to repair it. So, yeah, no, I think that'll be a big, uh, in, that's a big storyline to watch over the next few weeks here. Or, or does Toronto finally kind of be like, okay, we got to do something like they only have two quarterbacks under contract right now. Maybe there's that dicey moment of, uh, maybe we need to get somebody (laughs) does that. And does that trigger one of these other trades or things? Uh, They've got a scouting department. They might be uh, down south of the border looking for another quarterback. It's always a possibility. The thing is, like with Ricky Ray all those years ago, who knew that a guy coming out of the arena league was going to 
tear up the CFL. Yeah, exactly. But we all know that that is the major exception to the rule. So, um, but I mean, hey, they're the they're the defending champs. You better find somebody who can play quarterback. <laughs> That'd be important. Got some great receivers in Gittins Jr. and Davaris Daniels and Cam Phillips, and uh, they they've got guys there that can they can catch the ball. Who's going to throw it to him? Well, and and you got quarterbacks like that that are the exception to the rule, but when they come through, what a story they are too. You think of guys in the in the NFL like Tom Brady and Kurt Warner that that came from obscurity to uh, to Super Bowl and MVP caliber quarterbacks, and when you get those guys in the CFL that come through like Ricky Ray did, it makes for a heck of a story. That that it does. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing to watch. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. This was awesome. Where can people find your podcast and find you on all your handles? Well, thank you again for having me and for uh, having a fun chat about all of these, uh, all the teams across the league. I try not to do get too elk centric, but uh, if you are curious and want to know more about the elks, uh, you can join us on the Turf District podcast uh, that is usually on Tuesday nights in the off season. Here we're just doing one a month, uh, but our next one is next Tuesday, the twenty first, uh, and we're hoping to be joined by some of our new free agents. Uh, but just to uh, kind of catch up with uh, all of free agency talk on the elk side of the ball, uh, sign up to our YouTube page. That's where you'll see us go live. Uh, but then our shows do come out on all of your regular catchers and you can find us uh, anywhere pretty much at, at the turf district that's on uh, Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, and if you want to just follow me for some, you know, Lego builds and maybe some football talk in there at free delicious. Keith Graham, Andrew Hoskins, thanks so much. We, this was a blast. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again the Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.